You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. So if, if you will turn to John chapter 12, John chapter 12, if you'll stand with me, I'm going to get my notes from off the front pew here. Forgot those. You might say, well, if you didn't have them, it'd be shorter. Don't dream about that, because that wouldn't happen. It's, uh, when a pastor doesn't know what he's going to say is when he says the most. I'm talking about quantity, not quality <laughs> in that. And so, um, again, I appreciate the opportunity in, in being here with you and look forward to God moving in the service. Choir, thank you. That was great. Amen. Man, that was, that was just wonderful. God had to be honored by that. You, you know, the Bible says the Lord, God seeks people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. That means at the beginning of this service, God is actively seeking people to worship Him, and He tuned in here. God Himself tunes in. And I hope that He got from your heart, not just from this church. You realize a church is only a collection of individuals. And so whether He got worship or not is determined by whether He got it from your heart. I hope that He did. John chapter 12, a, a popular story here, verse 1, we'll, we'll go through verse 8. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Father, we hope and even assume that you have received worship from the hearts of many in this room. You deserve that. With a name like yours, you deserve so much more. We're limited in what we can give you, and yet I pray that you received something from our hearts and our minds in an admiration of who you are. Not just who you are, but who you are to us. And now we have ended the part of the service where you have been the audience and now, in many ways, we become the audience to the Holy Spirit. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work and move in every heart. Those that have accepted you as their Savior. And maybe some that would have to realize that might be the very reason they're here this morning. Is to come to the realization that they need you in their life as a Savior. Lord, thank you for the guests that have come. 
I thank you for the privilege and opportunity of preaching to them. I, Lord, I pray that you would, your Holy Spirit would prompt them to come back when Brother Jed is, is preaching. Give them an opportunity to experience this church and what you're doing here. So use this morning for your own honor and glory. And if that happens, it'll be for our good. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. We want the backdrop here in just um, in the first verse gives us a little sense of where this is in the, the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus, a while back, had raised Lazarus from the dead. His sisters had asked and sent for Jesus to come and to heal their brother of his sickness, and Jesus didn't. He raised him from the dead, which is a whole story in and of itself, how, how that happens. But because of some things that took, took place there, the Jews had decided now that he was getting too much attention and they were going to kill him. So he left that area earlier, but now he comes back to that same area where Lazarus had been raised, where they had threatened to kill him, and he has some unfinished business. Maybe he's coming back to check on Lazarus and, and these two sisters. Obviously, he loved them based on how he wept when he had been there before. And Jesus comes back, and it tells us that it's the time of the Passover, and, and they're, they're just a, a few days removed from it or, or getting ready to come into the Passover. And this was the feast that commemorated when the Jews came out of, came out of Egypt and, and Israel was freed and you had the, the, the angel, the, the death angel that would pass over the houses that had the, the blood on the, on the doorposts there. And, and that was a, a huge time, um, a ceremony for them to commemorate. They made a feast out of it. They called it the Passover. It was the biggest feast of the year. And so Jesus is likely on his way back to go to the Passover and he stops in Bethany to see how they are doing. Verse 2 tells us that when he's there, they decided to celebrate the time, the fellowship with him by having a supper. So they sit down together to have this supper and it, it tells us that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were all there. And it, it clarifies that Martha is serving, that, that seems to be her personality in and, and that case. And, and then it points out, I mean it seems obvious, but it points out that Lazarus was one of the ones sitting there. And, and don't skip over that because that does change that supper quite a bit. Because it hadn't been that long and this man was dead. And, and basically in, in some ways already starting to, to rot in a tombstone after three days, I mean, they already know, oh, Lord, he, he's going he stink after three days. And, and yet Jesus performs this miracle. So for Lazarus to be at this supper makes this a very important supper. Yeah. I mean, how many people have you eaten supper with that have risen from the dead? Yeah. That would be a pretty important supper. You'd be pretty excited about that. And, and this had to be just a, an immensely special time and, and one in, in which Mary is serving but it seems like at some point in time, in that supper, according to what we find in verse 2, that's, that's the moment that they are in, that they look around and Mary's gone. And it seems that Mary has maybe gone for a, a moment to retrieve this ointment. Something very special 
to her. And it, what it says about them after it kind of lays the groundwork in verse 1 and 2, it tells us in, in verse 3, this is kind of the pinnacle of the story, this is the point of the story, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, and it tells us very costly. Now let's be sure we, we comprehend that. Likely, this was in some kind of a vase, and because it was very costly, it would be very protected in her home. And I could see this being in maybe in, if Mary had a, a bedroom in a particular place in her bedroom in a protected prized place was this ointment that it says very costly. And for a, for a woman in that culture, a, a very costly ointment like this would have been something that she would value and treasure for her future. She wouldn't have the income that a man would have. And this, so this would have been something she would likely depend upon in the future for, I mean, we might would say retirement, but for her, just for her existence, because I, I, don't, I don't know how she had come to this, but she had held it to this point. It, it would be usable when somebody died, but for some reason she hadn't used it on Lazarus. Maybe she had more and she had used some on Lazarus. I don't know. But it, it gives the implication here that this was something that she valued, this pound of ointment of spikenard, and it was worth a lot. They said that this would be about a year's wages. And, and that would, I mean, if you, if you thought you had a year's wages in one object in your bedroom, that would be something very protected and very important to you. And it was it was to her. But she escapes out of the room at some point in time and goes and gets this ointment and brings it back. And either, you know, she takes this, this ointment and, and somehow releases it from this vase and puts it on the feet of Jesus Christ. Anoints his, his feet with this. And, and maybe his... His head. When we read about this in another area, it says that it, you know, she anointed his head and it ran down. And, and yet there was this focus on his, on his feet. And, and particularly after this ointment has, has been placed on his feet, then she takes her hair, which obviously had some amount of length to it, and understanding that in their day and time for her hair to be down in, in public, I mean, that would be scandalous as it was in some ways. And yet she, she takes that hair, her hair, and she wipes the feet of, of Jesus with her hair. And out of all the people in Bethany that Jesus came across, here's Mary who just spins on him lavishly. Maybe because she had raised her brother from the dead. And, and it was a, just something that she wanted to do. Now, what I want to do for a moment is I want to freeze the frame. Now, let, let's say that this was a, a video playing. We could watch it and we could stop it on a particular frame. And I want to stop it at the end of verse 3 for a moment. All right? So if you can picture Jesus sitting here, and they would, you know, likely they would sit on the floor and, and, and they would be sitting here at this meal and, and Mary would have come and she takes this ointment and she puts it on Jesus' feet 
And you got to realize, I mean, they didn't have full shoes back then. So, you know, maybe sometimes it'd be customary. They might wash their feet when they come in to a house, but their houses would be a, a dirt floor. And so Mary takes this ointment, this very costly ointment, and anoints the feet of Jesus. And if you can imagine this ointment coming off the feet of Jesus, and I'm, I'm not trying to be crude, but, but dirty feet, and then the ointment goes down into the dirt. And so now you have, I mean, you just have mud. And, and you, you look there at the feet of Jesus, and here's this expensive ointment, and it has formed mud. And it's now useless. Picture Mary's hair. Again, I'm not trying to be crude. But here's this one with this long flowing hair. I'm, I'm assuming it's something she treasured and valued and took care of. And now her hair is matted. I mean, picture the scene. This is, this is a crazy scene. This woman, you know, moments later had, had this ointment in this vase and it was worth a lot. And now... If you freeze that frame and you look at it, it's very different from what it was moments ago because she, she had this treasure stored away and now it's mud and it's gone. It's all used up. And it's in the ground, whatever vestiges on the feet of Jesus and matting up her hair. And it no longer seems useful at all. And if you could imagine Mary sitting there and the last bit of ointment has been wiped off. And in that moment, could she be wondering, what have I done? Yeah. What did I just do? How did I get so caught up in the moment? The emotion of, it seemed like the right thing to do, but look. I mean, the, the ointment's gone, and, and maybe the emotion begins to fade. And she's thinking, what, what brought me to this? Because now she looks at it, and it's mud and matted hair. And as she thinks and wonders, what have I done? She hears two voices. The next verse, verse 4, gives us the first voice that has an opinion of what she has done. Then saith one of his disciples, as Mary is trying to think through this, what she has just spent this year's investment, and now it's mud and matted hair, then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot of all people, Simon's son, and just to clarify which one he is, it's the one who would betray him. He has his opinion. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And he, and he comes out critical of what she has done and, and what she has spent. And basically what Judas is saying, he's saying, Mary... There were so many other uses for this ointment. I mean, you could have taken this ointment and taken it down to the marketplace and sold it for 300 pence, and then you could have gone and given it to the poor, or you could have put it in the, you could have put it in the temple treasury, 
Or, or you, could have, you could have taken that and fed some people while Jesus is talking. Because Mary, you've heard the stories. Jesus is sometimes teaching and, and the people have to leave because they're hungry. And, and, and Jesus would love to be able to do something about that. And he did. He performed miracles. But, I mean, Judas is trying to make a case. Mary, what have you done? You could have used this for something so much greater. And she sits there and she hears what Judas has to say. I wonder if she's thinking, man, that's right. Because I anointed his feet and now I have mud and matted hair to show for it. And if I would have at least sold it, given it to the poor, those poor, I mean, they... They could have had food for a day or a week or, or I don't know. We, we could have done some, some really good things. If, if Judas gets through to her, that's what she's going to think. And so basically, as Mary sits there in the mud and the matted hair, then she has, has Judas, one of Christ's own disciples, basically telling her, Mary, that's ridiculous. What on earth? were you thinking? Why was this ointment, and, and he, he, he makes it clear, why wasn't it sold and given to the poor? Now, that wouldn't be a hard case to make for Judas when you're looking at mud and matted hair. I mean, when, when that's all you have to show for it, that was her decision, and Judas is saying, you could have done so much more with this. That's not a hard case to make at the moment. Now the problem is, the next verse tells us his motive. Verse 6, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was what? He was a thief. I mean, he was a thief and he had the bag, meaning he, he carried the money for the disciples, for Jesus and, and those that followed him, and he had the bag and he bare what was put therein, and, and so the, the honest truth is, according to what John tells us, is Judas actually didn't care for the poor. Judas cared for Judas, and that's all that he cared for. So when he's making this point, he's, he's not quite as, um, as, as well thought of as he normally would be, maybe under the circumstances, because he is in a situation where he is lying. He wanted that money for himself. And that's why he makes the point. And he benefits from the selling of that ointment himself. And so no wonder he criticizes her, but she doesn't know that. And actually in the Matthew account, what's interesting about this is it doesn't tell us that Judas is the one who makes the point. It tells us that one of the disciples did. But in Matthew, it tells us that the rest of the disciples, that they all agreed. And so Judas was making a point here that was hypocritical to the core, but every, the rest of the disciples bought into it. So what makes you think that maybe Mary wouldn't be tempted to buy into it and say, yeah, what a waste. Why did I do this? And, and I mean, his point made sense because of the mud and the matted hair. And, and Mary could be thinking, I guess I just got caught up in the moment. I don't know, it just... It just seemed the thing to do. And I, was, I just, 
Jesus did this for Lazarus, and, and I see the things that he does, and it, it just seems special, and, and so I wanted to do this. And, and I wonder, I wonder how Mary's feeling by the end of verse 6. Like, I'm an idiot now. I can't believe this. And it's all gone. But there's one more voice. Verse 7. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Now that's a good person to be telling everybody else what to do. That's a good person to come to your defense, isn't it? Jesus says to Judas, and we would take from Matthew, saying to all the disciples, you leave her alone. Don't, don't mess with her. Because, let her alone, against the day of my burying hath she kept this. And I don't know that, that Mary understood everything that she was doing. If, if you read the previous chapters of John, you find out, I mean, Jesus has been conveying to the disciples a little bit about where he's headed and what he's going to do. But you kind of get the sense they don't fully comprehend it. They don't realize, I mean, I mean, seriously, he's going to die and then he's going to rise from the dead. And, and so I, I don't know if, if Mary understood all of this. It doesn't matter. Jesus is saying this is the purpose that it is serving. She's doing this against the day of my burying. Even if she doesn't understand that he's going to die in just a few days. So, so it doesn't matter whether she fully understands that or not. Jesus said that, that she was keeping this for my burial. And then he just clarifies for Judas' sake. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not. So he, he tells the disciples to leave her alone. And then he says she has done something in some ways greater than she even realizes at the time. Because this is going to be for my own burial. And she wouldn't even realize the significance of that until a little while later. And so imagine again, Mary sitting there with the mud and the matted hair and all of this on Jesus' feet. And at the end of, of that verse 3, wondering, what have I done? And then hearing Judas' voice yeah. and thinking, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. But then hearing Jesus come to her aid yes. and protection and defend her and say, in Matthew, this is going to be a memorial that will be spoken forever. Amen. Amen. Yep. Amen. And in that moment, Mary gets to choose. Whose voice am I going to listen to? Amen. Whose voice am I going to allow to cause me to place some value on what I just did? The voice of Judas or the voice of Jesus? Now, here's the deal. In this room, I don't know very many of you, but I'm pretty sure when I look around at, at this building and I, I look at the things that are done here and I look and I sit through the service today and, and I at least have some conversations with your pastor just getting to know some of you and him saying, boy, you know, this family's this and this family's like that. There are people in this room who made similar decisions to Mary's. Yeah. You came to a point 
where you felt like Jesus Christ was worth giving something lavishly. There are people in this room who have come to a point in time in, in their life and said, I think he is worth this much. I don't just mean money. We, we can certainly include that aspect, but, but there would be few, including your pastor and, and Brother Samuel. And again, I don't know everybody in the room, but there would be others who came to a point in time in their life. And, and I, I remember him on, on the, the campus of Heartland Baptist Bible College. And one of the neat things about some of that is it was just a chance to see, okay, here was a young man who came to a point in time in his life and he could have done this. This is the United States of America. He could have done this, this, or this. But something in him said, I want to spend this much on Jesus. I want to give him the rest of my life. And Aaron doing the same thing. Brother Samuel coming to a point. I, I remember watching him go through those days what he would do with his life and, and watching God work in him and then him kind of coming to the decision that I think I want to give him my life. That's pretty lavish. Amen. And likely other people in the room that are really thinking about that. Maybe right in this group right here. Amen. And going to spend lavishly. I, I, want to, I want to give my whole life to him, I want to be a missionary. Or I want to be a pastor. I want to, I want to, I want to be in ministry as a missionary wife and a pastor's wife. Or I want to be. I want to deal with youth. Or I want to deal with with music. Something along those times. And and maybe it's not just giving of one's life, but it can be actually giving monetarily. I mean, you've had a you've had a missions conference, and and many of you had to decide by the time that week was up, am I going to give this much to missions? Am I going to give this much to faith promise? And I am confident the way that I heard it went. I heard it was a great week for you and, and your promise was great. But you know what that took? That took some families in this room saying, I'm going to spend lavishly on what he loves. And I'm going to be sure that I'm going to work every day and I'm going to work hard. And our family's going to work hard. And we're going to give up buying this and we're going to give up buying that and that so that we can spend lavishly on him and that we can be sure that, that the Rugmans get sent off and that they have the support that they need and that we can take care of them and, and that we can support these families and these families around the world. And that's the way that church missions gets done. There are people who have to decide, I'm going to spend lavishly on him. I think that he's worth it. Many of you have done that. Some of you spend lavishly with your time. You give a lot of your time every week. I mean, just, just the services alone. You come, you know, there were men here and at, at 745 for men's prayer meeting, a good group of men. Man, that's, that's, that's exciting to see. And, and I, I noticed it was, it was a little chilly when I got up this morning here. And yet men were like, doesn't matter, we're going to go to men's prayer meeting. And, and this day will be different because, I don't know, 30, 40 men were on their knees praying this morning about this day so that this service could be something that you could sense the Holy Spirit in. Amen. They spent lavishly. And many, many of you will be back tonight. And, and Wednesday night? You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, there's a Wednesday night. 
and spend lavishly on it with their time. There are those that, that are involved in the choir and involved in the music, and they decide, you know, the part of the service where God is the audience, we, we want to put as much into that as Brother Jet puts into the preaching time because God's the audience, and so we're going to spend more time practicing, and we're going to spend time learning skills on our own and taking lessons. All of those things can be the result of deciding, I want to spend lavishly on my God Amen. through Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's decisions. I would have to assume there are people in this room that could have taken a job somewhere else, but they said, this is my church. This is where God's working on my family. And I don't want to make a job decision. I'm going to make a spiritual decision. And because God is working, my way of spending lavishly on him is to stay right here. Because I don't want to disrupt what God's doing in my family. And I, I get to be at a church where the word of God is preached passionately, where the people sing passionately, and where they have a burden to reach their community and the rest of the world. It doesn't get any better than that. I'm not going to make a job decision. If God calls me, that's one thing. But I'm going to spend lavishly by giving him the, the, the first choice of my life and where I live and even where I go to church. Amen. There are some of you that have decided to spend lavishly on him. You came back from youth con or, or youth camp. And while you were at youth camp, you, you developed this passion. You said, I, I want to give him everything I've got. I, I want to be sure that, that, that I, I save myself to marry this kind of a mate. I, I want to I go to Bible college and give God a chance to have first claim in my life. And, and you decided to spend lavishly. I mean, you got, and you're in the United States of America. You're going to have this school want you for this, and you're going to have sports want you for this, and, and you're going to have entertainment want you for this, and you're going to have this company want you for this, and this trade is going to want you for all these other things. And yet some of you saw through all of that, and you said, I, I want to spend it on him. Amen. And you did. There are moms and dads here who have said, I want to spend lavishly by raising my kids to be a godly seed. I don't want to just raise good citizens. I want them to be good citizens. But there's millions of families raising good, trying to raise good citizens. I want to raise a godly seed. And so we're going to raise our son this way. We're going to raise our daughter this way. And there are a lot of things that you don't get to do because you're trying to raise your children to be a godly seed. And you're spending lavishly on him. Now please listen. I promise you. I promise you there's going to come time. When you're going to be sitting there. And you're going to look around and you're going to see the equivalent of mud. And matted hair. And the emotion's gone. You got back from youth camp. And it's two weeks later. You're a month removed from missions conference or however far it would be. And some of the bills are looking a little tight. And you, you decide, I'm going to go to Bible college, and then the finances just go haywire. And it starts to look a little messy in your life. It might be come January when... Uh, however you do it here, maybe you get an envelope and you open it up and you see how much you gave last year. And you're thinking, man, our, my car wouldn't even start last week. I need a new car. And I, we gave what to the church? We gave this to missions? 
good night. And in some ways, those days are going to come and you're going to look around and you're going to see the, the messiness, you're going to see in the mud. And one of the things that might concern you or, or bother you the most is you look around and other people still have their ointment. They still have it. They haven't spent it on him. They have their time. They have their freedom. They have their life. They, they have their finances. They, they, they have all of these other things and they can use them. And, and, or, or when youth, when you see your friends going and they get to go have a good time and, and they get to do whatever those things are that they want to do and you see people have more freedom and you look around and I'm just telling you, there will be those times when you sit there maybe like Mary did and you're wondering, did I just get caught up in the emotion? Did, did I let that man preach something and he just tricked me? Into, into giving my life to this or did I let that youth speaker tell me some fancy story and, and then I decided to do this or did I just get caught up in a moment and make a decision like that and now I look around and I'm thinking, boy, do I potentially regret this. You have two voices. You're going to have to decide which one to listen to when that time comes. Because I'm telling you, there is no doubt more uses for whatever you want to give to him. I, I mean, you, you give your life to him, full-time service. Well, you may decide, I, I just don't think that's working out. And I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Man, there's, there's a whole lot of things you can do with your life. Again, in our country, I mean, you can get an education on anything. You can go make money doing anything. There are plenty of, of uses. When it comes to your time, I mean, everybody's busy and, and everybody has the exact same amount of time every week. And, and you will look around sometimes and you'll feel so frazzled and like, good night. I don't even have time to, you know, to take care of my house or to take care of these things. Got so many things going on in my life. And ironically, it's interesting that a lot of times the church is the one looked at as the most guilty of stealing most people's time when it already got less than almost any other area. And, and, and yet you'll look around and you'll say, man, I don't even have time to do anything. And now it's Sunday morning and I got to go spend the whole day at church. Good grief. Uh, that's crazy. And, and I mean, all of these things that you decide to spend lavishly on, there's other uses for it. And you be convinced there will be other people who will make that point. Yeah. And they'll say, why, why, why are you so radical? Why are you so fanatical? You, know, you, you, don't, you don't have to do that. You, don't you realize you could have a better job? You could have a bigger house? You could have a, a, a robotic refrigerator these days if you'll just spend the money on it? You, you could have a, I mean, you could have a mower that mows the yard for you and a, and a, a robot that, that cleans the floor for you and you can do all these things if you just wouldn't give so much money to the church. And, you know, you, you, you don't have a life. I mean, you need to, you need to stay home sometimes and you're, do you realize you're given a whole day at the church? Why didn't you use that day to take care of your house and your property? And you'll even have some who will say something like, you know, the, the people that I work with, I mean, they're religious and they're Christians and, and they go to church. They go to church on Sunday morning, but their pastor said, you know, you, you don't have to go to church on Sunday night. I mean, their pastor, she said it was okay to stay home on Sunday night, you know. And you look around and you're Judas. Why are you wasting all that? 
Now listen. According to the disciples in Matthew, those statements will convince some. Because the disciples said, boy, that's right, Judas. You're right. That's exactly right. And yet, there's another voice. The voice of Jesus. It says, "Mm, leave them alone. Because they're doing something greater than they even realize. They they are doing something that prepares for something greater. and, And they... It will look messy and it will seem like there's some, some other great uses and you could get so much more benefit if you spend it here, your time or your money or your life. And, and there'll be, that's clear, but you have to decide which voice you're going to listen to. And Jesus comes out and says, I want you to leave them alone because they are doing something very significant. Listen, what percentage of Sioux Falls is already chasing all these other things versus what percentage is after the eternal things that you're after. There's enough that are listening to the voice of Judas. You don't need people sitting in churches like this and deciding, well, we're coming to be this close to Jesus, but we're going to go out and listen to Judas when it tends to get a little messy in our lives. Now, you you have to come to the realization that it's not just emotion. Sometimes it is literally the Holy Spirit that is saying, I want you to get to the level of lavish. And I'm I'm not even thinking money. I'm not not here even preaching on on money. I'm I'm preaching on spending lavishly on Jesus in ways that far exceed money. Because he's worth it. And because a church gets to a point like this because so many have. And yet I assure you, without knowing anything about this church hardly, that some of you that have been here a while look around and say, yeah, there are a few families that they finally said, "Ah, we're going to listen to Judas. You want to know one of the biggest problems of listening to Judas? He might sound good but you probably ought to consider the source. Yep. Yeah. And that whole culture out there that says, tries to tell you, you would be better off not being so fanatical. You would be so much better off not spending that much on him and you spend it on your business. You spend it on your house. You spend it on your projects. You spend it on your hobbies. And yet Judas the one who just a little while later sold out Jesus for a whole lot less than that. Would be like that culture who, how would any Christian let a culture who doesn't care diddly about Jesus Christ would let the culture be the primary voice in their ears when they're spending lavishly on Jesus Christ. Because he is worth it. And you'll always be worth it. You're not going to get to the end of your life. As a matter of fact, 30 seconds after you die, I have a feeling if you've studied this book enough, you have some sense. I'm going to wish I had spent more. Not less. Because all of us want to hear one day, well done, 
thou good and faithful servant who spent lavishly on me. Now let me close with this. First, there, there might be some here that, that your decision in lavish maybe, maybe it doesn't make much sense to you, but your decision is that you need to trust Christ as your Savior. And giving your life, that, that doesn't mean that you're going to be in the ministry one day. It just means to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because something has to be done for your sin and with your sin before you die. Because if you die in your sin, you're separated from God for eternity. And Jesus Christ came and provided a way that that didn't have to happen. That you could die in Christ instead of dying in your sin. But you're going to have to come to the decision of accepting Jesus Christ and the, and the blood that saves us based on the songs, based on the scripture, but in the songs that we sing. And, and you might think that it's just, it's a huge decision to trust him as Savior. And it is, but it's work that he's already done. He simply wants you to come and trust him. And, and I'm, I assure you that even during this invitation, you're going to hear the voice of Judas saying, there, there, there's better ways. Might even try to say to you, there's better ways to get to heaven. Yeah. Can I ask you, how could God be God and allow his son to be crucified if he would let people come some other way? Amen. Why on earth would he allow his son to go through that if he was going to say to you, but you can come by baptism. You can come by growing up in a good home. You can come just by having knowledge of God. No, not at all. Don't, don't, don't let Judas rob you of deciding you need to trust Jesus Christ. So as we go into the invitation, can I, can I encourage you to think about the most lavish that you've ever spent on him? And first, have you spent lavishly on him? If you've never been that kind of a Christian before, would you decide maybe he's actually worth it? My time. My, my, my finances, my life, my emotions, my goals, my dreams. I want to spend them lavishly on him. If not, maybe you ought to, you ought to say, Lord, I, I want to be that kind of a Christian. And maybe others of you have spent lavishly. And maybe you are at or you're going to be one day at a point in which you would say, I don't know if it's worth it. This is costing me a lot. And besides, my friends are making fun of me. My Judas friends are telling me, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Maybe you just need to ask the Lord to make it clear what he says and let him be the convincing voice in you. And that, that there's a time for turning everything off and just listening to him. It's one of the great purposes of an invitation. Yeah. You, you have a chance to take what you've heard and convert it into something that you need to do or think whenever all without the voice of Judas out there and the pressure and the television and the commercials and the social media and just let that stuff go down and say I'm going to listen to the voice of Jesus Christ would you bow your heads with me this morning for a time of invitation Brother Samuel is going to lead us in a song here in just a moment we're going to sing I surrender all he'll lead in that in just a moment he'll sing would, would you sincerely Ask God to protect your lavish spending on him so that you never become a casualty 
and become one of those that everybody was so thankful for and, and, and maybe inspired by, and yet one day you're no longer around, or you become a shell of yourself because you spent, and then you saw other people with their ointment, and you started listening to the voice of Judas. Young people, maybe some decisions you've made. You need to go back to listen to the voice of Jesus and ignore the voice of Judas. Father, would you accomplish what only you can and what you want to accomplish? Lord, I pray that every mind would be freed of inferior thoughts of the moment and that your Holy Spirit would have complete freedom to speak clearly into every heart. God, you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for everyone in this room, and he did. And so many of them confront right now how much he's worth spending. I pray there'd be something in us that would want to humble ourselves before you and ask you to protect us as we listen and are committed to the right voice and the right opinion, in fact, the right truth of how much we spend on you. Lord, I pray that there would be no regrets from those who have given you much and those that haven't yet would believe they can trust you with however much they spend on you. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.